Try to have him here. Can we just welcome you now, Rob? I'd like to thank our brother Neville for the kind words of welcome and thank your minister in the session for the opportunity uh, to share with you this morning in your harvest services. And indeed, those photographs of Neville was talking about things have changed a little bit since then. Uh, hair maybe changed a little bit of colour, maybe less of it too, but things change. But it's good to be here and to fellowship with you this morning in your harvest services. And uh, I was just looking around on the way in. Uh, you have all the fruit and veg up here. I'm not sure whether this is to keep your attention. If somebody's not paying attention, there's an apple or an orange lands in their direction. Uh, but it's good to be here and it's good to remember God's goodness at this particular time of the year. I want you to turn in the Bible to Mark's Gospel and to chapter 4. Mark's Gospel in the chapter 4, and we want to break into the chapter at the verse 21. The Savior is speaking here. There are a number of parables that he brings to attention, but we want to break in at verse 21, and we read from there down to the end of verse 29. Mark 4, verse 21, and he said unto them, is a candle bought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man of ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. He said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full ear, full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. We end a reading here at verse 29, and we know that God will bless his truth to our hearts this morning. Let's just bow together for a moment's prayer, please. Our loving God and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you this morning for the items of praise. We thank you, Lord, that we've been enabled to lift our hearts and voices unto thee and rejoice in that one who is the Lord of harvest. And yet, our Father, as we come to thy word this morning, we come asking for thy help and thy presence. Lord, I come asking and praying that thou would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we might know that unction, that help, that power, that cometh from thee alone. And our Father in heaven, we pray that for these moments, that thou would take our attention and thou would focus it upon the precious word of the living God. Father, continue with us. Bless and help, we pray. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. As we come to Mark's gospel, we recognize it is a gospel that highlights the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as a servant. And as a servant, he comes forth, he preaches to the people, and in chapter 4, that's exactly what he is doing. Back in a previous chapter, we find that there the Lord Jesus Christ was instructing the people. He brings them up to the seashore, he stands in the boat, and there he brings a message to their attention. 
And again in chapter 4, he's doing the very same thing. We find that there is a small ship there. The Lord Jesus Christ is on that ship. And it tells us there in the verse 1 of the chapter that he sat on the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea and the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. And here as the Lord Jesus Christ begins to teach the people, he brings to their attention various things that are associated with the harvest time. There are three parables in particular that are mentioned here in this chapter. We have there in the opening verses that one that is very familiar. It brings to attention that account of the sower. He's going out to sow. And as he sows that seed, there are different types of ground. We find that there is that ground that is hard, that ground by the wayside. There is that ground that is stony. There is the ground that is thorny. And then there is the good ground. We find not only does he speak about the sower going forth to sow, But he speaks of the seed being put in the ground in the verses that we read together. And then a little later in the chapter, we have that account of the mustard seed. And for a few moments this morning, I want to draw your attention to this middle parable that is mentioned here. The opening parable speaks about the ground. The second parable directs your attention to the seed. And we want to look at that this morning. And we want to consider the priority of the seed as it is revealed in these particular verses. When it comes to the time of harvest, we gather together, we give thanks unto the Lord, and so often our attention can be upon the produce. We can look at the fruit. We can look at the vegetables. We can admire the beauty and the glory and the splendor of the flowers. We can think of the corn and the barley that is brought in and the bread that is made, but none of that would take place if it wasn't for the seed. And in these verses, the Lord Jesus Christ, he directs the attention of his listeners in particular to the seed. You'll notice there in that verse 26, the word that the Savior uses. He said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And there in that, we have the thought of the planting of the seed. Now you'll notice in these verses here that the Lord Jesus Christ, he he doesn't mention the plough. He doesn't mention the work of the farmer. He doesn't mention the hours of the farmer. He doesn't mention the yoke of oxen or the horses. Or today, as we think of the farming, the machinery, none of these things are addressed in this verse. For you and I today, when we think of the harvest, those are often the things that come to mind. You're maybe going down the road and you you see the, the tractor in the field and there it's plowing up the ground. Then you'll see maybe the harrow and you'll see the the sower on behind the tractor. And that's the thought in your mind. That's the preparation for the harvest. That's the preparation for the ground, for the receiving of the seed. But here the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mention any of those things. He says here the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And that word cast that is used there, it has that thought of throwing. And it's not merely a throwing out carelessly, but it has that thought of casting the seed upon the ground in an orderly fashion. It's not haphazard. But there is a place where the seed is to be sown. We have mentioned already the first parable that that highlights the seed that went out and some fell upon the wayside. And this verse is giving us the idea that when the seed is cast, there is a place in mind. Yes, some may spill onto the wayside, But the desire of the sower is that it would fall upon the good ground. 
We think of the same picture when we read of the disciples there in Matthew's Gospel in the chapter 4 and the verse 18. It speaks about Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they, they cast the net into the sea. They don't just cast the net in anywhere. They're, they're throwing the net in where they know the fish will be. That is their intention to gather in fish into the net. And here when the Lord speaks about casting the sea, casting the seed, it is about casting it upon that ground that is prepared. Because if the seed is not cast into the ground, if the seed is not sown, then there is no harvest. There will be no produce at the end of the day to, to benefit man, to benefit the, the livestock. So here he is reminding us of the planting of the seed. It has to be sown. It has to be cast upon the ground. And as we read these verses, the indication is that the Lord is speaking here about good seed. Again, when you go back to the first parable there, he draws our attention to that, that it is good seed that is sown. Back there in the verse 14, it says, The sower soweth the word. And here the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us in this context, while he speaks of the harvest, That the sowing of the seed is a reference to the Word of God. He draws that parallel. The seed that is sown is good seed. It's the best of seed. It's the excellent seed because it is a reference to the Word of God. And here as we look at this picture of the harvest here, we are reminded that we can look at it in a broader sense. And when the Lord speaks of casting out the seed, casting the seed into the ground, there is a reminder that for you and I as God's people, there is to be that sowing of the gospel seed. There is to be that sowing of the Word of God. Whether it is by the preacher within the pulpit, and yes, there is that primary responsibility upon the minister of the gospel to to sow that good seed, but there is a duty upon all men and women, all that are saved, to, to sow that good seed of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ in Mark's gospel in the chapter 16, he gives what we term that great commission. He says, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And for you and I today as Christians, that is the sowing of the seed. That is the casting of the seed upon the ground, upon the hearts and minds of men and women, of those that are unconverted with the desire that they might be saved and know Christ. The hymn writer asks the question, He says, are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother or sister? It applies to each of us. And that's a challenge to you and I as God's people today. As we think of the seed, the Savior speaks of it being cast into the ground. There is that challenge that we are spreading that gospel seed. You see, it's not only a good seed, but the Bible reminds us that this is a precious seed. The seed is precious in a practical sense, as we've said. Without the sowing of the seed, there is no harvest. And when we think of the gospel seed, how much more precious it is. It is a seed that when sown and when watered by the Spirit of God, it can transform and change the lives of men and women. That gospel seed is that seed that brings to the attention of the listener that they are individuals who are corrupt and polluted by sin. That they are in danger of perishing in a lost eternity, but that there is hope. There is a way of salvation. There is one who died on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he can pardon their sins. He can cleanse their sins. He can make them right with God. It is a seed which has the potential to change and to transform the lives of men and women. You and I, as we read through the scripture, we we find those individuals and their lives were, were changed by a meeting with God, by that receiving of that good seed within their heart. 
You think of Ruth, that woman from the country of Moab. And there the Bible tells us that she came back up with Naomi into the land of Israel in the time of barley harvest. And there as she comes back and she's looking on to the harvest fields, we're reminded that a work has been done in her heart. There is a seed that has been sown by the witness, by the testimony of Naomi. And there she comes back to the land of Israel. And the testimony of Ruth is that Naomi's God will be her God. That seed has been sown. A life has been changed. A life has been transformed. We come into the New Testament and we think of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how time and again he he met with individuals and their lives were changed. You think of that man of Gadara. Man whom the Bible tells us he, he roamed amongst the tombs, amongst the places of the dead. They put chains on him to try and restrict him and restrain him, but he sliced them all. He ran about, he frightened the local people. But when he met with Christ, what a difference. Oh, the locals looked on him and they could see that here is this man of Gadara. And they testified, he's sitting, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. What had happened? He had encountered Christ. That good news of the gospel, that seed had been sown in his heart and a work had been accomplished for time and for eternity. That's always we think of the good seed. We're reminded that we are those that are to sow the seed. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10 and the verse 14, he asked the question, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The seed has to be sown. And so here the Lord Jesus Christ directs our attention to that seed. It is good seed. It is precious seed. The psalmist could say in Psalm 126 in the verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a seed that can accomplish much in the lives of men and women by the grace and by the help of God. That's a duty that we're to be involved in. The Lord Jesus Christ tells a parable whereby the Son is commanded by the Father. He says, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And that is the command to each one of us to work in the Father's vineyard. To take forth that seed. We think of the farmer today and sometimes the weather may not just go the way it would like it to go. It may be dry. There may be a parching of the ground. Part of the harvest may be lost. There may be flooding. Again, the harvest may be lost. And and there's a heaviness of heart within the farmer because the harvest has disappeared. And yet the Bible reminds us there is to be that same heaviness when it comes to the harvest of souls. There is to be that same heaviness when it comes to the sowing of the gospel seed. Here we're reminded of this casting of the seed in the ground. A challenge to you and I that we might be men and women who bring forth the gospel message and tell it to those who know not the truth of the gospel. Yes, we cannot plant or we can sow it, but we're reminded that the ground, as it were, is prepared by the Spirit of God. It is he that works on the heart. It is he that convicts. It is he that convinces men and women of sin. But we have a duty and a responsibility to sow. Not only is there the sowing of the seed here, but there is a patient waiting. Because when you look at verse 7 here, it speaks of the farmer. And it says, And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. 
he knoweth not how. There is an indication here that when the seed is sown, there's little the farmer can do. He can prepare the ground. He can sow the seed, but then there comes a time of waiting. And the Bible brings that thought to mind here. It it speaks about sleeping. It speaks about rising again. It, It speaks about night and day. There is that patience. The farmer has to wait on the weather. The ground has to reach that particular temperature when the seed will germinate. It needs that degree of moisture in the soil and and then that seed will germinate. It will break forth and the plant will begin to grow. It may be the grass, it may be the barley, it may be the grain. Whatever it is, the farmer has to wait. And no matter who that farmer is, you may ask them and they can never answer the question when that particular crop will begin to poke its head out of the soil as it were. They can't answer that question. It's something that takes place unknown to them. Yes, they can see the evidence of it. When the reseeding has been done, you can drive past the field and you'll begin to see that that, that little layer, as it were, of greenness as the, the little shoots poke their head through. But the farmer can't tell you the exact time or moment. He can't say, today that seed will open. Today that little shoot will come forth. It's unknown. Neither can the farmer explain at times why Maybe some seed seems to have grown well and and others maybe not as well. And as we look upon that and think of the waiting here, we're reminded of how powerless you and I are in certain matters. Yes, as individuals, we have a degree of strength within our physical body, but how quickly that can change. How lacking in power really we are when it comes to the work of the harvest, when it comes to the sowing of the seed, when it comes to the growing of the plant. That is all in the hand of God. You and I today, as we live in this world, we're reminded that we live and we go about our daily duties. We, we do it at the mercy and grace of God. It is God that gives us that measure of health and strength. It is God that gives us the life to to go about our duties. We we couldn't do it if he didn't give it to us. And we need to bear that in mind. So often today we can come to things with that expectation that I'm going to do this, that, and the other, but we'll only do it if if God gives us strength and God gives us the grace. And here in this verse 27, there is that sense, there's a time when the farmer can do nothing but wait. There's a little phrase there that it uses. It says, he knoweth not how. There's a part he can't explain. Oh, the scientific world today can tell us so much about the natural world in which you reside. It can tell us so much about the plants and and about the different types of seeds and about cross-pollination with different crops and all of these things, but it can never tell the exact instant that that seed would germinate. That's in the hand of God. Commentator John Gill, he says it's a mystery in nature. How the seed under the clods where it dies before it is quickened should spring and grow up and bring forth fruit. You see, that little seed goes into the ground and it dies, as it were. And it's only when it dies that life comes forth. And in doing that, it is a picture and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior said in John's Gospel, in the chapter 12 and the verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 
You see, the seed in that sense is an illustration of Christ. It is a reminder of the events that took place at the cross of Calvary. For there, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, He bled and died for the sins of His people. He died, but He rose again the third day. That third day, as the woman went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Christ was arisen. He was victorious over sin and over death and over hell. Out of death had come new life in Christ. And so it is with the seed. That seed goes into the ground, it it decays, it dies, there's new life comes forth. So new life is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the child of God today, we can rejoice that when Christ arose that third day, he was the conqueror. He defeated the old devil, he defeated death, he defeated hell, he rose the victor over that vast domain, as the hymn writer puts it. What a blessing that is for the gospel. As we sow that gospel seed, it is a seed that we direct men and women to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a seed that is sown and then we wait for God by His Spirit to move in the hearts and minds of men and women. Oh, the natural harvest, the Bible has given us that promise regarding it. God spoke to Noah there in Genesis 8 and said, While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. There was that promise of the harvest, the natural harvest. There is a reminder in the Scripture as well that there will be that final harvest of souls at the end of time. But in the natural harvest there is that waiting. There is that relying upon God, and so there is in this daily life, there is that relying upon the God of heaven. You and I today, we're very much aware of how things can change. In a few months, in the space of a day or two, life can change. We look at our land today, we think of the economy, we think of the, the price of food, the price of fuel. All of these things have changed, and nobody saw it coming. There's a war out in Ukraine, and the impact it had. And yet in all of these changing times, it's good to keep our eye upon the Lord. We are to look to Him. He is that one who is the unchanging God. We speak of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we gather here today, we come to to give Him thanks for what He has done. We think of the harvest. There's a time of waiting. We think of the spiritual harvest. For the child of God that has sown the seed. And and maybe you're wondering. Maybe you've told that individual about their need of salvation. You've given them a gospel tract. You've invited them along to the the house of God. And you're wondering, why is nothing happening in their lives? Why are they they not getting right with God? We, We have to leave it in the Lord's hands. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 in the verse 6 could say, I have planted Apollos watereth, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Our responsibility is to sow the seed. And then we must wait, we must leave it in the Lord's hands. We must leave it under the control of the Spirit of God. Yes, we're to pray. Oh, the waiting time for the farmer is not a time of idleness. When he's sown out the field and they're waiting for the grass or the barley to grow, there's many other things to be done. And so it is for the child of God. While we're waiting for the fruit to come forth, we we are to be busy. We are to continue to to labor for the Lord. We are to continue to serve Him day by day. 
We're told in the Scripture in Ecclesiastes, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. We have the promise on Isaiah 55 and the verse 11 that when God's words go forth, it will accomplish. But we have to wait. And we have to pray. Pray that God would move, that God would open hardened hearts, that God by His grace would break them. Break them like that old rock and make them tender to the message of the gospel and draw them in grace and mercy unto himself. We have to have that time of patience. But we notice here also as well that there is that progress from the seed. When you look at the end of the verse, or verse 28, it tells us there, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. The seed has been sown. It begins to germinate. Then there is that indication that there's growth. It tells us here. It gives us that little picture. First the blade and then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. There's a progression. The seed doesn't go into the ground and and suddenly there's a full ear of corn. There is time involved here. There is that growing, that that little shoot that comes up. And then as the rain comes down and waters it and the heat of the sun falls upon it, it begins to grow a little more and a little higher and a little higher. And then the year comes on it. You see, it's reminding us here that when the seed germinates, there is progress. And when the work of God takes part or takes place in the life of a man or woman, it's the work of an instant. Just the same as that seed germinating when God touches a heart and draws them from the darkness of sin into the glorious light of the gospel, a change is made. But there is a growth. There is a progression. There is a going on with the Lord. There is a spending time with the Lord. The Bible speaks of the young believer on the the milk of the word, then going on to the meat of the word. We are reminded as we look at it in a spiritual sense that there is that progression. There is that going on. There is that going forward. There is that getting closer into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for every child of God, that's where we should be aiming, to be closer unto the Lord. As we look at the crop, it doesn't just sit with the little shoots there. If it does, there's something wrong. There has to be that growing up. If it's not growing that much further, well then, it's lacking. It's not getting the rain. It's, it's not getting the nutrients from the soil. It, it's stunted for some reason. And if our lives are not progressing on with the Lord, then, then there's something missing there. There needs to be that communion, that fellowship, that closeness with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here as we look at this little picture, we... See the priority of the seed. It is a seed that is sown. It is a seed that germinates. It's a seed that brings forth the produce. Because it tells us there in the verse 29, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. That's the joy of the farmer. He's sown the seed. He longs for the harvest. And for the child of God, when that seed is sown in the hearts and minds of men and women, how we long for that day when, when there is that bringing forth of fruit. That day of progress, that, that day of salvation, that day of evidence and progress in their life as they move and they walk on and progress with the Lord Jesus Christ and precious fruit is brought forth. But then there is a time of harvest here. And the harvest reminds us of that reaping, that, that cutting down. The Bible paints that picture. It reminds us of the Lord of the harvest. 
It reminds us that while the fields are white and and ready to harvest, there are to be laborers, but then there is the reaping. That gathering in. We think of the account of the wheat and the tares and how they all grew together until the harvest time and then there was a gathering in. The wheat was brought into the garner. The tares were cast aside to be burnt. Dear friend, today as we think of this seed, we're reminded again of the harvest time. It's a high time of reaping. It's a time of judgment as we look at it in Scripture. It's a time when God gathers those that are His and He brings them into the fold of God. He brings them into the kingdom of God. He brings them in to be with Him for time and for eternity. But for those that know not Christ, there is that casting aside into the fire. The Bible speaks of those two destinies of heaven and of hell. One eternal bliss. One eternal communion. Eternal fellowship with the God of heaven. The other separation from God from all our time and all of eternity. And dear friend, this morning as we think of the harvest, where are you bound in regard to that? Are you heading for that place where you will reside with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity? Or are you in that broad road that leads to destruction? Oh, there is a good seed. There is a, a message for you to hear the day, a message of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we implore men and women today to repent of their sin, look to Christ, know that salvation that is to be found in Him alone that there might be that precious fruit brought forth in you. There might be that bountiful harvest in your life that you might be drawn in to the kingdom of God. As we look at this little thought this morning, the challenge comes to each heart. Dear friend, where do you stand? Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? If not, we implore you to repent of your sin, turn from it. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy that fullness of life that is to be found in Him. Enjoy that bliss, that blessing that only he can give and know eternal life in Christ alone. We trust the Lord will bless these few thoughts to each one of our hearts this morning uh, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to challenge those that are strangers to God's mercy and to God's grace. Amen. Thoughts about the seed, and we pray that as the seed is sown, that we'll see that harvest. And we thank God for the law of the harvest. Let's sing closing hymn. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning bright and fair? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the noonday's glare? stand together as we worship.
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time of worship, time of praise. Pray you'll speak to our hearts. Bless the sowing of the gospel seed. We commit thy servant, the Reverend Robinson, to you. Be with him as he continues to labor in cash, undertake for his wife and family. We commit them into your care and encourage him as he returns back to his own pulpit. Lord, be with us now. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, the fellowship of the eternal spirit, our blessed comforter, be our abiding portion now and evermore. Amen and amen. Uh, there will be a cup of tea, some light refreshments, not only after the meeting tonight, but after all of the meetings, give a chance for fellowship uh, through the course of, of the week. We will have a time of prayer before each of the meetings, but we'll have that in the minister's room just to help the ladies that are setting up for the uh, cup of tea and light refreshments. So uh, tonight and during the course of the week, if you can join us for time of prayer beforehand, join us just here in the minister's room. You can go in through the outside door. We appreciate all of your prayers. Thank you so much for coming and joining with us today. <laughs>